and all the seminar is going to be taught on demonology. That's how to deal with devils and what they do, and you have to put up with them, and you'll just you'll just learn so many things. And um, so I made a TV show with three or four TV shows with Benny Hinn here some time ago. He said, Brother Noel, do you know you're hot as a firecracker? I said, what do you mean hot as a firecracker? Well, he said, you know, everybody knows you. They identify you. I said, oh yeah, Brother Noel, he, he cast out devils. He makes devils leave him alone. And I said, well, everybody should know that. And uh, so we made some TV shows together. And when uh, I was raised as Baptist, now the Baptist people have a real good ministry in salvation. And they also have a real good ministry in demanding that you live your life clean, that you don't get involved in sin. Now the Baptist church that I was raised in, if you got involved in sin, or if you beat your wife or you turn mean and you belong to that church, they would expel you from that church. Just like getting, just like getting expelled from school. They'd take your name off the church roll. After they come and talk to you three or four times, trying to get you to change. And uh, you can still come to church there, but you couldn't belong to the church. And so... But they'd come and talk to you, you know, when they found out you're just doing mean things. They'd come and talk to you three or four times, trying to get you to change. But if you wouldn't change, then bring it before the church. And they would expel you. And they believe good things. I don't, I was raised as Baptist, and I don't, I don't know anything the Baptists teach that's not right. But because it is, as far as I know, I went there all my life. They teach salvation. They preach salvation, being born again. They preach living good and don't, uh, don't get involved in sin. And uh, that's, that's about it. But the truth of the matter is, folks, when you, get to, when you grow up, if you ever do, it, when you grow up and start reading the Bible for yourself, you'll find out that you're supposed to be following the Lord Jesus Christ and nobody else. You're supposed to be believing him and nobody else. Your ministry is supposed to be like his and nobody else. Your ministry should be like him because he said, what I do, you do. What I do, you do. The same things you see me do, you do them. Now, thank you, Lord. Now, his own disciples have a little problem with that. Just like people today has a problem with that. The people hadn't changed much from... But all, all of his disciples, 12 of his disciples, when he called them to follow him, they were green as grass. Maybe tonight you're green as grass. Where it comes to devils are concerned. 
are a certain subject that you don't know about. I notice people get on TV now, and they have prophecy schools and there's no such thing as that. But they, they have, have, you know, you know, they'll say, well, I was watching TV here a while back and said, National Hookup. Oh, I feel the spirit of prophecy come in this building. I feel the spirit of prophecy come in this building. Everybody get ready. Everybody get ready. Now then, turn to the one next to you and prophesy to him. Right now. Right now. While the spirit of prophecy is here. Turn to the one next to you and prophesy to him. You know what that is? That's as flaky as a $3 bill. <laughs> there's, a, there's no such thing as that. Now, now, you may look at somebody and tell them some words, but that's no more prophecy, and that table is prophecy. Prophecy is a gift come from God. It's one of the gifts of the Spirit. Prophecy. <laughs> you can't turn to sitting here and turn to somebody and start prophesying to them because somebody told you to. If you do it, this is the one that told you. You don't want to get involved in false doctrines and false teachings. And it goes around all over, you know. But I know I was I was a Baptist when I was. Now I'm a school. I'm a school, just thank you what, what God can do with any kind of a human being. I, I'm a school dropout. And I used to be a pool hustler. Now what would you think about, if somebody's a school, I used to work for 25 cents a day. 25 cents a day. But that's what big boys made in, 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 in the 30s. Now, if you were during the Depression, if you were a grown man, then you made 50 cents a day. But if you were just like 12, 13, 14 years old, even though you're a good worker, you made 25 cents a day. Then after a while, you know, men got raised 75 cents a day, and I got raised 50 cents a day. They got raised to a dollar, and I got raised to 75. When I got to the place I made a dollar a day, I said, oh, brother. Man, man, I'll get, I'll buy anything I want now, a dollar a day. Well, in those days, you could buy a white, white dress shirt for, for uh, six, 49 cents. And you buy a pair of blue jeans for 69 cents. A loaf of bread, seven cents. Everything on the candy counter, ice cream counter, everything was a nickel. Nickel. And so them days are gone forever. <laughs> but I just thought, the Lord, I just thought you're supposed to work. I didn't know what God's perfect will was for me. I just thought you're supposed to work and try to find you a job that you make good money and be successful if you could, you know. And so that's what I did. I'd been up in Omaha, I'd been up in Omaha Nebraska with two other fellows. Uh, and I was hustling pool up there. 
I come back down to Kansas City. We were there, stayed there for a while, and I couldn't get any more games, you know. When you go out of that town, if you can shoot pool better than the local hustler, uh, nobody won't play you hardly. Some of them will play a little bit of nine ball, pill pool, you know, but uh, a little snooker maybe, but more than nobody will want to buck heads with you. So you have to leave town, go to another town. I said, but I like Kansas City. And so I, I wanted to stay there. The other two boys, and at that time I was about um, 21, I guess. Yeah, about 21 years old. The other two boys that went with me, they wanted to go back to Knoxville. We all lived in Knoxville. And, but I told them I didn't want to go. I was going to stay there. So they went on back to Knoxville. I was looking through the papers one day about different kind of jobs just to see what was available. And I saw somebody had an ad in the paper about traveling to all the colleges and universities in the country and uh, calling on their accounts. I thought, well, that sounds good. So I went down to see them. And uh, so the man interviewed me and he hired me real quick. So he sent one of his men with me over to the University of Missouri from Kansas City to tr start training me. So they trained me and I worked with them the first year. I didn't make any money. I just made a living, but I didn't make any money to speak of. And then, but I saw where I could if I stayed with it. And then two, two years later, about, yeah, about two or three years later, they made me nice on sales manager. The man that hired me, he quit and went to work for our competitor, so they made me nice sales manager. Because at that time I was the highest producer, and uh, so they made me nice on sales manager. They, had a, they, had a, they owned a manufacturing company in Minneapolis, Minnesota, 201 North 3rd Street, downtown, back close to downtown Minneapolis. So I went to work for them. <clears throat> I, was working for, I was working for them. Then I asked them to make me a national sales manager because our sales manager had quit. Went to work for our competitor. And uh, Mr. Winterburn, one of the owners of the company, he says, No, well, I'd, I'd like to. He said, I know. I said, Well, who's your highest producer? And he said, You are. I said, Well, that's, that's a sign. I know what I'm doing. I've learned how to do it. I know it wasn't too hot the first year, but I learned what I'm doing. And he said, well, they want my, the rest of the owners won't ever give a consent to put you over the whole college department and make you a national sales manager. I said, well, you can ask him next time you have a meeting, ask him to see if they will. He said, okay, I'll talk to him about it. So I left there and went down through the University of Nebraska, University of Kansas and Kansas State down through Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Went down to calling my accounts at the University of Texas in Austin. I was in Austin, Texas, and I got a telegram from Mr. Winterburn. He said, you have, you have been voted in as national sales manager. Now you might say, what does that mean? Well, basically nothing. Because <laughs> all they gave you was samples. No transportation, no load expense, nothing is to give you samples. 
whatever you can make out of it. So if you build a sales force, then they give you a kickback on everything they sell. So I worked real hard for seven years, hiring people and training them. End of seven years, I had uh, 42 settlement on the road and 12 cars. Some weeks, I'd make five or $6,000 in, in a week. In those days, you could build a three-bedroom house, brick home, three bedrooms, two baths, and a garage, and a lot for $16,000. You could buy a new Cadillac, brand new Cadillac DeVille, four-door, loaded, $8,000, about $8,500. And so, it didn't take me very long. I lived in, in Indianapolis at that time. So I bought me a home and I paid for the thing in about a year. And it didn't take very long to pay for it, making that kind of money. That's not the best money in the world, but that's more than a governor makes. I made more money than the governor. And he, he wasn't making $6,000 a week. But I thought, now here I am, a school dropout. But I learned this business. So I had my own home and it paid for it. I had four different colors of Cadillacs in my driveway and in my garage. And I got me some safety deposit. I had everything paid for it. So I got me some safety deposit boxes and I started putting money in. So I had thousands and thousands of dollars of cash in the safety deposit boxes. And so I had to um, uh, have a, that, you know, when I was 20, about 29 years old, I bought a lot of stock of the corporation. And uh, when I did, they voted me to the executive board. And so I thought, well, boy, I'm, I'm waiting in high cotton now. I got to say so to everything that goes on in this corporation. They had three other, three other executives except me. They had three for years. But I bought a lot of stock in the corporation. And they, bought, they, wanted, they wanted me to be the, one of the executives. So I did. And when I went on, I just, God was blessing me a lot. When I reached the age of 33, Seemed like I never heard of somebody else that was 33 that died when they were 33. But I never did believe that I'd have to die. But you do, though. I wound up working with Catherine Kuhlman. Sometimes ministers would ask her. Catherine Kuhlman had the best gospel services of any human being I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen no human being on earth that had the beauty of God and the power of God and the quietness of the Lord and the stillness of the Lord as she did. 
and they didn't have an auditorium big enough to hold her, hold her crowds. There'd be like 10,000 people outside trying to get out if you lock the doors. Catherine gave me a pass, a special pass from her personally. She was having breakfast one morning. She said, Brother Norman, I'll give you a pass. I don't care how many thousands of people outside, wherever I'm at. You come and go to the stage door. Show them this pass, they'll get you a seat. On the stage, if they have to, there won't be any chairs. They won't have any chairs left, it's always full. But boy, she, had, she was a good example of the beauty of the gospel. If I've ever seen anybody, she was something else. Glory be to God forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. But I, that was after when I was 33 years old. I came out of the executive meeting one night in my corporation. And I began to drive home. And when I, I started saying a little prayer, just a little simple prayer, a little simple Baptist prayer. I've been going to First Baptist, I helped build the First Baptist Church. In Indianapolis, and I've been, I've been going to church on Sunday morning. And my, my parents had took me to church all my life. And so I just, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know that I'd be standing here in front of you. I didn't know someday I'd go on TV and speak to 400 million people at one time. I didn't know that churches would call me up and offer me five and $10,000 to come to their church and just speak one time. They still do. I never dreamed that, you know. I thought I was making good money, but well, I had to work hard for it. Then I started driving home saying a little prayer, and all of a sudden, here come God, right in my car. It's, some people ask me, says, how was it, Noble? I said, well, it's hard to explain. God's got four winds in the Bible he works through in heaven, he works through. Four winds. North, east, south, and west. Four different winds he works through. That he can send four wind, different winds from earth to heaven. He, he, sometimes in the Bible, he'd be to speak to people through the wind. Once in a great while, not very often. I mean, it may go 10 years and never do it. But he's done it probably in my whole ministry, maybe 40 years of ministry, he's probably done it probably eight or nine times. It'll be like this, and all of a sudden, a whirlwind will come in. A whirlwind. I don't care what's wrong with you. <laughs> if you get up out of your seat and go and get in that whirlwind, God will slay you in the floor just like that and totally heal you. God works in strange ways, folks. You can't put God in a box and say you work this way, you know. You say, well, I never see anything like that in church. Well, I can tell you one thing about God. He has a lot, does things a lot of ways that none of you has never seen. 
by the time you think you got God figured out, that's a good sign that you don't know much about him at all. I was speaking Happy Carwell's church some time ago, and I was in awe for working with people. And Happy has a big stage. But up like this, you know, I don't mean just five or six steps, I and mean, he's got lots of steps. He must have he must have fifteen or twenty steps. His stage is way high like this. I'm done all for working with people. And I started I got finished and I got I started to go back up the steps to the podium like this and thank the people for coming. And I'm walking up the steps like this. Just walking up the steps. And all of a sudden Jesus spoke to me. He said, You didn't you didn't lay your hands on those people on the altar. I said, All right. He wanted me to lay my hands on him. I said, All right, I will. I turned around, and as, 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 that, as that happened, I stood like this right here listening to him, talking to him, and all of a sudden he appeared in the air, in the sanctuary. Appeared. And the pastor liked him went nuts. He liked him went crazy. I never saw a human being cry so hard in my life. Happy Caldwell was the one. He cried, he cried and cried and cried. And he just kept on crying. I, I turned around and went back down and told the people to line up. And to line up. And, and he'd, look, he'd look, at, look over at me and he'd just keep on crying. He'd just, I mean, just boo-hooed. I'd reach up like this right here and lay my hand on somebody and he'd just keep on boo-hooing. And he'd go start crying out loud again. And after he got, got through, he looked, like a, he looked like he'd been drunk for two weeks. <laughs> he gets up and he says, folks, he says, when Norval went up those steps, he said, Jesus appeared there and started talking to him. When he went back down, and Brother Norval obeyed him, he said, Jesus come right down on the ground, right behind him, right on this floor. And walked behind Norval. He said, every time he put his hand on somebody, like this, he said, Jesus put his hand on Norval's hand. Each one of them. He said, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand this. He said, I, I couldn't understand this. I said, oh my God. Blessed be the name of the Lord forevermore. And so, but I never saw a pastor cry so hard. And, and Happy Caldwell, he's kind of a conservative type guy. Until Jesus comes into his church and he's not conservative no more. He just told him to come unglued. But I like the Lord to talk to me. If he tells me what to do, I know what I'm doing is right. Praise the Lord forevermore. But he, he just here come God right in my car. If Jesus ever rides in your car for an hour and a half, you'll be as crazy as I am. And he told me, he said, you're killing yourself in my business. 
I'd worked real hard to build it up. He said, you're killing yourself. You're taking real good care of your family. You spend a lot of time on your property working and digging and digging and digging, making great big flower beds around trees, sweating and digging. My front yard was an acre. And I had to keep it manicured all the time. And he said, you, you, you're killing yourself working for your manufacturing company. All the employees are looking to you. You have 42 souls that you're taking care of. He said, you're killing yourself. Now this might suit you, evidently it does. Somebody. You're killing yourself in your business, uh, but you're not doing anything for me. Now that's a sad shape to be in. Just because you have such a deposit boxes full of money and on, on some Cadillacs, everything you got paid for, that's no sign you have any sense. People that does not work for God, does not sell out to Him, they have an earthly idea of what life is all about. They know in part. They know in part. But you know, God, folks, will do anything for you. I don't even know of anything that God won't do for you if you could show Him that he can trust you. But most Americans or most human beings cannot be trusted to that degree. I've been an employer since I was like 24 years old. I'm 78 now. I used to have 14 secretaries. I had 14 different businesses. Still got a few secretaries now. They used to have 14 secretaries. I have never had an employee. In over 50 years, I have never had one employee, not one, that could stand to have money. And stay normal. See, if you're not sold out to God, you're not normal. You, you, you may think you are, but you're not, though. And you know very little about his blessings. The Lord told me when he came to me in my car, I said, Iron Height, you're making good money, son. You worked real hard, but you really don't know what making money is. I said, well, Lord, I'm not doing too bad. I said, I make more than the governor. Well, son, did you ever stop and think? The governor may not know much himself. <laughs> then I found out after I sold out to God, and one day I was down here in Florida, and the Lord told me something he wanted me to do one morning about daylight, and I didn't want to do it. And he kept, I kept crying in his presence. He said he wanted me to do it, and I told him I didn't want to do it. But I went ahead and did it. He made me over a million dollars that day. 
one day. Did you make a million dollars in one day? Most people live and die. They live and die and don't have a million dollars in their savings account when they, when they die. He said, well, how do you stay healthy? You're 78 years old. You haven't ever been in the hospital. Praise God forevermore. Well, well, I feed the poor all the time. I have a church in Tennessee. I have four churches. Two in Tennessee and two in Florida. One of my churches in Tennessee, we cook hot meals for the poor every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. My street reach church over in Daytona Beach. I have a real nice pastor over there. And a real nice guy. Looks like a movie star. Really nice fellow. Humble as he could be. Really nice man. Boy, he sets the tables up with table uh, real fancy. And when we feed the poor, and he feeds them over there for me. For over 20 years. God said if you feed the poor and clothe the naked, God said, I will restore your health to you. God will keep you healthy where sickness can't get to you. If you're sick all the time, that means you're not doing anything for God. God will put his power around you to protect you from all evil. No evil sh shall come around about your house. You understand that? You've heard that scripture, haven't you? Well, all diseases are evil. Sent from hell to you. But you don't have to accept that. You can resist them and make them leave. Cast them out of you. And I want, to, I want to teach you this week to do it too. You can be wealthy if you want to be. You don't have to be. Who cares about being wealthy? And you might say, me, Mother Noble, me. Sit <laughs> here pray. God told me one time, he said, son, I'll make you, I'll make you really wealthy. If, if you'll keep dollar marks out of your eyes. And when we look up on needy people and the kingdom of God and help and help and help and help. And you can't do that. Most human beings cannot do that with dollar marks in their eyes. They get up and they make thousands of dollars a month. Thousands and thousands of dollars a month and they got a home and they got this and they got that. And they just, they just, they don't want to go feed the poor. They don't know what the city done, because it stinks. God said, if you'll clothe the naked and feed the hungry, feed the poor, I will restore your health to you speedily. Restore your health to you speedily. Speedily means he'll heal you quick. Besides that, I'll give you a bonus and, and, and the glory of God will be yours. And that's the best thing. The glory of the Lord. But I didn't know anything about, you know, 
casting out devils or anything like that. I told God when he came to me, I said, Lord, I thought you, I thought you uh, called preachers to preach. I, I thought God, when God called you, he called you to preach, but that's not necessarily true. God has a lot of ministers besides preaching. And um, I said, I didn't know you called businessmen. Now you're here in my car and you, and you want me to follow you and you want to train me. I said, what, what can I do? I don't know anything about God except what the Bible has taught me, salvation and, and living, living clean, living out of, to staying out of sin. I know that that's not right before God, but I don't know anything else. You know, I mean, what, what do I know? I go to First Baptist Church on Sunday morning. And I'll tell you folks, I don't have time to go through it. One, one church asked me to come and give my life story on Sunday morning. And the whole church said, if you'll give your life story, uh, how God has blessed you, we'll sit here all afternoon. It took me over four hours to give my life story. Overflow. I think we left the church at four something in the afternoon, Sunday afternoon. But they wouldn't leave, though. It's a lot of things you do. And so one of the greatest things happened to me. When I come in contact with full gospel businessmen, you know how I come in contact with them? I met a Pentecostal preacher, and he invited me to go to a full gospel businessmen's chapter meeting with him. I never heard of him. He said, Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. I said, Well, that sure is a long name. And he says, Well, the reason I come over here, Mr. Hayes, to ask you to go with me, he said, uh, I know God has blessed you financially, but he says, I thought maybe you might enjoy the speaker they're having this, this month. He said, he's real wealthy. I said, he is? He said, oh yeah. His name is Mr. Gates. He owns a big chain of department stores, great big fancy department stores. He owns them. And I said, well, I guess I could go if you want me to. He said, yeah, I want you to go with me. So they're having a chapter meeting in the Holiday Inn Ballroom. Now, I've been Baptist all my life. Baptist, you shake hands with people. I never had no experience with full gospel people. I, I hadn't been around them. I didn't know how strange they were. So we walked in the lobby, in the lobby of, the full, of the Holiday Inn me and this Pentecostal preacher, and he stopped here, and he, he saw somebody here, and he says, well, hello, how you doing? He says, he says, it's good to see you. He said, I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. He's a businessman, his name is Norval Hayes. He looked at me, you know, and I raised my hand out like this right here, to shake hands with him. All Baptists shake hands. Baptists don't hug, they shake hands. Don't you understand that? Shake hands. So he's standing there and I said, nice to know you, sir. He took my hand and he pulled me into him. Pulled me. He pulled me. Pulled me into him. And I went, ah. <laughs> well, why? Well, because ever since I was 10, 12 years old, I've always liked girls. I don't have no, no, I don't have no desire to be close to men. 
and then he experienced and so he put me throw his arms around me and my body and hugged me and squeezed me going, oh, oh, oh. he said nice to know you brother Hayes God bless you nice to know you and then I said yeah, yeah sure sure he turned me loose and we walked a few, about four, five, six more steps and met another one. He just been him, he did the same thing. I said, well, my God, they're all alike. And the devil said to me, this is plain, he said, they're all funny. He said, why don't, he said, the best, the best thing you can do is leave now and go get in your car and just drive off. But I respected this Pentecostal preacher because he's the one that trained me how to feed the poor. He's the one that took me on my first trip to the city dump. If you think you're called to preach and you're afraid you'll make a mistake, go to the city dump and preach to those people because they're all stupid, they don't know what you say anyway. <laughs> Just go, go over there and preach to them. Preach to them. They eat out of garbage cans, sleep under trees and stuff, you know. And, and so he took me to the city dump. <laughs> and, uh, have respect for him, I went on in the dining room. And there they were. And I looked around. People kept coming in and sitting down, coming in and sitting down. The ballroom got about full, you know. And, and I, I was wanting a cigarette real bad. What do you mean, a secret? I looked around, they didn't, they didn't have no ashtrays. No, no ashtrays. What kind of a place is this? They don't have no ashtrays. Was you a Christian, Brother Noble? Yeah, I was a Christian. What do you mean, was I a Christian? <laughs> Get this straight, folks, once and for all. Baptist smoke. <laughs> then I, then I, my, my, my daddy smoked. My grand, my grand, my grandpa he chewed bloodhound tobacco. Both of my grandmas dipped snuff, brute, brute. One of them, one of them dipped brute snuff and one dipped Garrett snuff. I used to go to the store and get it for him. I don't know what kind it was. And so I, man, I said, what kind of places there are no ice trays? And I looked around to the people, all of a sudden I looked around to the people, and I said, oh my God, the women, they all look like they're dead. I want to get up and say, hey ladies, the graveyard's three blocks down. They all look like they're dead. I've been used to one of the first Baptist church, you know, where the lips were red and the roses, the, the cheeks were pink and the eyelashes were black, you know, and if they, if they cry, the black stuff run down their face like this right here. But they didn't care. But that's just the way they were. I just, but I'd never been around Pentecostal women before. Some of them had the strangest hairdos. A big roll on top of their head and then on top of that, on top of that, on top of that, on top of that. Kind of, kind of, looked like a beehive. 
Um, the farm used to have bees, beehive. I said, boy, these people are strange. My God. But I'll just stay and come. Kind of my friend brought me here. So in a few minutes, they started the service. And the first, the song leader gets up, and the first song he starts saying, I don't care what church you belong to. You can't sing a song like that to a Baptist. So some of them, some of them are so far out, they think that John the Baptist started their church. You can't sing a song like that to a Baptist fellow. I don't care what church. Well, I mean, they, they'll write it up against you and say, well, I care what church I belong to. I am Baptist. The song went, I don't care what church you belong to, just as long as for Jesus you stand. And if you harden my heart and hold your hand. And then he got to saying that, he said, ah, there's a river of life, there's a river of life throwing down through me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. I said, I ain't never seen that before. I ain't never. I ain't never seen no blind. I ain't never seen no cripples walking, blinds people to see. And so I sit there, you know, and I thought, man, what is this? What is this? I said, well, I'll just go ahead and stay. And I'll tell you right now, next month comes, I will not bother these people. Because I will not be here. And the guy gets up and he says, My name is Ogden Yates from North Carolina. And he owns a big chain of, he owns all the belt department stores. I guess you've seen some of them. He said, I have a private chair in my office that I have for my special guests. He said, I have my office high with glass walls so I can look out over the store and see people. And he said, many times I'll be standing there looking. He said, the Lord will show me that person there is dying with cancer. Go out and get them. He said, I walk out to the store and walk up to him and say, Sir or ma'am, um, the Lord showed me you have cancer and you're dying. Is that right? And I say, Yeah, that's right. Well, would you come in my office with me? I'm, uh, uh, I own this store. I just want to talk to you for a minute. He'll say, Okay. He said, I'll bring him up and set him in my chair. I start talk to him about Jesus is a savior. Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a miracle worker. And he loves everybody. He'd like to do what you, give you what you need. And I lay hands upon him and start praying for him. 
and God heals him right there in the seat in the chair in my office. Sometimes I'll be looking out and God will show me an alcoholic. That guy's been an alcoholic for years. I'll bring him off and sit him down in that chair and I, and, and I lay hands on him and start praying for him and the power of God comes in and starts healing him. Just starts healing him. But he said, you know, I never could do that. I never did know how to do it. I didn't have the nerve to do it. I never could do something like that. Me being a wealthy man on a big chain of big department stores, I never could do it until my wife stayed after me and after me and after me until I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Well, I'm Baptist, folks. Now then we're getting deeper than not having no ice trays. We're getting deeper than ladies not having no makeup on. They all look like they were dead, real pale face. I said, my God, I'm not even sure I know anything about what they're doing here. But what what he's talking about was good though. Why? Because my mother is a Baptist woman, died when she was 37 years old. I was 10. Took me three or four years to get over that. I only had one brother. He played football in high school. He took brass disease at 17. We buried him about 18 and a half. No cure for brass disease. A brass disease is a kidney disease. No cure for it in those days. They have a cure for it now though, but then they didn't have no cure. Well, I've never seen the Lord heal nobody. I've just never seen the Lord heal nobody. Well, I sure would like to see the Lord heal somebody. I know that. And I never could, I never could do that until after I got baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. I heard what he said. I'm a businessman. I heard what he said. He said, I, until I spoke with other tongues. Well, other tongues is tongues beside his own. Right? Other tongues. He didn't say my tongue. He says, I spoke with other tongues. Tongues was plural. I spoke with other tongues. So I sat there. (laughs) And I looked real close at him when he was talking. Looked up his mouth a little bit. He looked up his mouth a little bit, and I looked. After a few minutes, that I said, "Oh, he don't have no other tongues." I don't see nothing. I don't see nothing but one tongue. He said he's spoken other tongues. He didn't say his tongue. He said, I spoke in other tongues. I says, what does that mean? Other tongues? I'm looking for them. Now I can't find them nowhere. 
And I said, well, for sure, for sure now. It gets worse as the service goes on, it gets worse. I will not bother these people anymore. Well, he got through giving his testimony, he gave an invitation, you know, and prayed for a few people, and they did dismissed. <clears throat> and so, well, I, I didn't want to offend the Pentecostal preacher I was with, but I didn't know. Uh, so I didn't say much to him about it. But I said, I'm bother me no more. All during that first month after that, I'd be riding along in my car, stop at a red light. I don't care what church you belong to. None of my Baptist relatives is going to go for this song. They're all Baptists. I don't care what church you belong to. Just as long as Jesus you stand. And if your heart is my heart, mother, hold my hand. I said, oh, brother. <laughs> and about that time, something else would come in. Well, there's a river of life flowing down through me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. I said, I've never seen that in my life. I've never seen no blind seeing nobody that cripples walking. I'm Baptist. I've never seen that. I like to see that. And, and God, used them to, God used them two little songs on me for 30 days. I let it in bed at night. Turn the light out. I don't care what church you belong to. I said, I care, Lord. I care. I care. I'm boundless, Lord. I'm boundless. <laughs> don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. I wound up going back the next month. I said, I can't believe I'm here. So there's a real, now this time, the speaker, was sitting up by the, by the pre, chapter president, the speaker, and he looked like George Raft in the movies. His hair was parted in the middle, and his slick back like this right here, on each side, you know, he looked just like he came from the mafia. So he gets up, the addition gets up, and he says, My name is so and so. He says, I'm from where the gangsters live, I'm from Chicago. I said, I knew it, 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 I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> he gave his testimony. He says, My wife wouldn't leave me alone. He said that she got tracks. She had tracks. She, she followed me around with tracks. She said, she had put a track on my pillow at night time and right on the cover. So when I pulled it back like this, a track would fly up. He said, 
I go to the bathroom to use the toilet. I'd reach over where the paper was at, and I'd, start to, I'd pull the paper and the track would fly out. I'd have business books, and I'd try to open them to go back to the office, and he says the track would fly out. She kept doing me that way for a year. She kept on. Finally, I said one day, well, she keeps on doing this. I wonder what this thing says. That's all about the wastebasket. He said, uh, I sat down and read one of those tracks. And it wrecked my life. Tore me all to pieces. Of course, most people's lives should be tore all to pieces. Especially if they're not serving the Lord. Especially if you come out of the mafia. And so then I wound up, this pastor wanted me to take him to St. Louis for the Gospel Business Men's Convention. So I told him, I said, okay, I'll take you. We go to St. Louis, Missouri for the Gospel Business Men's Convention. That week, I met Kenneth Hagin Sr. in the 1960s. I met Kenneth Hagin Sr. and John Osteen. Both of them ex-Baptists. Oh, God. Boy, I mean, they, they'd set you on fire. They were such good preachers, both of them. And then I went along like that for a little while. And had a restaurant in town called the Townhouse Restaurant. And I, I've still got that restaurant. I, I, I run it for 25 years. But I've still got that restaurant in Cleveland, Tennessee. Only it's another, got another name now, but I got leased out. And I'm sitting in my restaurant one day, and, um, oh, I forgot to tell you something that's funny. <clears throat> the second full gospel businessman I went to, that guy looked like a hit, hit man from Chicago. So when the meeting was over, I went back to my, my, my restaurant uptown, and I'm sitting in the booth. I'd been there about 15 or 20 minutes, I guess, sitting in the booth, and I looked up and I saw the president of the Full Gospel Ministry coming in with the speaker with him. Yeah, with the speaker with him. And they're walking, both of them Italians. And they're walking back towards me like this right here. They got a little piece from me and the speaker won't look like a Chicago hitman. He pointed his finger at me and he says, when I walked through the door, the Lord spoke to me and said, one of these days, you are going to be one of us. I said, no. 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 no, give me a break. Give me a break. He said, yeah, that's right. He said, you're going to be one of us. Lord spoke to me and said, he's going to be one of us. I said, oh, brother, going to be one of us. And then one day I'm sitting in the restaurant that same restaurant, talking to the, to the full gospel businessman's chapter president. And him and his wife coming there to eat. And I sit in the booth talking to him. And he said, don't you have a business in Columbus, Ohio, Brother Noble? And I said, yeah, I do. I have a business in Columbus, Ohio. He said, I have a friend in Columbus, Ohio. I said, you do? He said, yeah. He said, he's a car dealer. He said, a Christian car dealer. 
I said, really? He said, yeah, his name is Bill Swad. I didn't know Bill Swad from a house cat. <laughs> I said, well, he said, here's his phone number, here's his name and phone number. When, when are you going up there? I said, well, I'm going up there in a few days. He said, well, call him on the phone when you get up there. Well, sure, I'm glad I made that phone call. Now, you might have met a lot of human beings in your life, but you have never met nobody like Bill Swad in your lifetime. He is so much different. He's the best soul winner I've ever seen in my life. He's the best car salesman I've ever seen in my life. In Columbus, Ohio, he owned, he owned uh, the third largest Chrysler dealership, Plymouth dealership. He owned the number one dealership of Dodson. He owned the Cadillac dealership. He owned the Winnebago dealership. He owned the Lincoln dealership. He got tired finally of fooling with all them after several years. Sold all of them and bought the most beautiful Chevrolet dealership you've ever seen. He's been Ohio's largest Chevrolet dealership ever since then. So I never met him, so I called him on the phone. And I said, I want to speak to Bill Swad, please. I said, okay, he came to the phone. I said, Bill Swad, he said, yeah. I said, my name is Norval Hayes. I said, I'm a businessman from Cleveland, Tennessee. And I said, uh, David, the, the, the president of the Full Gospel Ministries chapter meeting uh, down in Cleveland, Tennessee, gave me your name and phone number and told me to call you. As soon as I said that, he said, he said hey, he said, you ever been baptized in the Holy Ghost? I said, well, I've been baptized in something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> he said, oh, come. He says, come out here. He says, he says, yeah, don't you go to church with me Sunday? You going to be here Sunday? I said, I'm going to be here Sunday, yeah. He said, I go to First Assembly of God Church here in Columbus. He said, yeah. He says, come, come and go with me. I said, all right. So come and go with I went with him. And then he gave me his testimony. He said, now listen closely, you'll learn something. With all this wealth, make $15,000 clear net profit a day for his pocket. 15000 a day. He said, Brother Noble, I... Uh, Raises Greek Orthodox. He said, I used to uh, work on the farm, feed the hogs and everything like that. And he says, finally got me a job here in Columbus making $2 and something an hour over here to plant. And he said, I started, got the idea that I, I want to be in a car business, but I didn't have no money much. So I bought me a couple of old cars, just about two old cars, two or three hundred dollars a piece. And I cleaned them up real good and shined them up real good. And I put a sign out for sale and I'd sell them about twice as much as what I paid for them. And I took that money and I bought me three or four of them. 
old ones, real old ones. He says, and I kept on doing that. He said, it wasn't very long until I had enough money to start me a little small, a little small used car lot. And I bought me about 10 or 15 real old cars. And I'd shine them up real good, you know, and put them out. He said, that's the way I started my business. He said, down I'm, I'm America's largest Plymouth uh, and Chrysler dealership, the third. And I'm America's largest Datsun dealership. And uh, he said, for example, a Winnebago dealership and so forth, you know. And you go to lunch with him, and he might, he might sell two or three new cars at lunch. He's the best car salesman I've ever seen in my life. I said, how many salesmen do you have, Bill? He said, oh, I have 30 some at this dealership here. He says, I said, can any of them sell cars as good as you? He said, oh, no. He said, I have to go and close and sell a lot of times during the day now. I said, I've never seen a guy sell cars like you do. But he said, God just blesses me, that's all. He gave his dealership to his son, and his son runs it. So the best thing in the world happened to me, I come in contact with full gospel businessmen. Full gospel businessmen. And I'm up there with Bill and his used car lot one day, just hanging out with him. He said, Noble, go out there and see some of my salesmen. He had a lot of cars. And that little building in the middle, he said, that's where the salesmen hang out. He said, you, know, you already know some of them. Go out there and and, and, and talk to them for a few minutes. I've got three or four things I've got to do in the office. He said, no, I'll, I'll be out before long. I said, okay. So I turned, it was cold in Columbus. We were sitting inside with a little heater, talking. And the man said, Brother Noble? He said, no, we have a church here. He said, well, we really had a good meeting at our church here a while back. And I said, you did? He said, yeah. He said, uh, I said, you have a good preacher? I said, oh, yeah. I said, he's a good preacher. I said, who was it? He said, it was uh, Lester Summerall. I said, well, no, I don't, I don't know him. I don't think. Summerall. He said, yeah. He said, uh, you, you, know, you know, he told, told Bill Swan, Bill runs the church, he said, he told Bill his first night of the seminar, he said, I'll, I, I'll go over here and pray, Bill, in a room over here. He said, if you need me, just call me. Or he said, when you're trying to introduce me, just introduce me, and I'll, walk out, I'll open the door and walk out. But I just want to pray a little bit. He said, so, and this is the first time he'd been to our church. He said, and, and so Bill introduced him, and he just walked out of that, door, out of that little room back there where he'd been praying. And he didn't say that to nobody. He just walked up. And he said, Will a man with a withered hand stand up to your feet, on your feet? He said, uh, A man in our church had an accident. And they had to take all the leaders out from, from his back here to his fingers, all the leaders out of his hand, so his hand was just real withered. He, he could never use it again as long as he lived. But they saved the hand and they put a cast on him from here 
down to here like this. I hear of his arm a ways. And, and said, but his hand was real withered. And I had no leaders in Couldn't move his finger. He said, Reverend Sumrall said, he didn't know him. He didn't even know he was in the church. He didn't know none of us. He said, will a man with a withered hand stand up? He said, this guy stood up. He said, stretch your hand out here, your withered hand out here. He stretched out there, cast it all up like this. He says, be healed. He said, you stand there like this. He said, the whole church was watching. And all of a sudden, the end of his fingers began to move. Sticking out from the end of the cast. Of him. He said they cut the cast off of him and his hand was normal just like the other one. I said I was raised as Baptist and I ain't never seen nothing like that in my life. I got my pen and I said give me his name and where he lives. He gave me his name, Lester, Lester Summerhall, South in Indiana, on Ireland Road. So I said, okay. So I got back home, and I told this Pentecostal pastor I've been having fellowship with. I said, Pastor, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, do you know a man by the name of Lester Summerhall? He said, oh, yeah. He said, oh, yeah, I've known him for years. I've known him for years. I said, has he been to your church and held a meeting? He said, no. He said, William Branham's been here in a different one, but he said, he never has been. He said, Lester has a pretty good sized ministry. And he said, our, our church only seats like 300 people or something. He said, I wouldn't even invite him to come here. He said, because I don't think we'd be good enough to him to help his ministry. And he says, but he shows it. Well, I said, if he would come, if he would come, would you uh, let him have a meeting? He said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He said, Brother Summer, I'll come to my church anytime he wants to. I says, well, I'm going to call him. He said, Brother, Brother, Brother Hayes, he said, you're just new in this. I said, yeah, tell me. He said, you're just new and still pretty green. He says, you don't call people like him and invite him to a church this size. I said, well, he can say yes or no. But if he was to say yes, would you let him come? He said, oh, yeah, I'd let him come if he was to say yes. I said, okay, I'm going to call him. He says, oh, brother. <laughs> so I called him. I called him. His church and I said, they answered. I said, I want to speak to Reverend Lester Summerall, please. And the girl said, Okay, who is this? This is Norval Hayes, a businessman from Cleveland, Tennessee. And, well, they didn't know me. And so they, um, he, she got him on the phone. He, well, he said, hello. I said, Reverend Summerall? I said, my name is Norval Hayes. I'm a businessman from Cleveland, Tennessee. And I was up in a car lot in Columbus, Ohio. And they told me about you having a meeting up there. And you prayed before the service. And you come out and a man with a withered hand. And he said, man withered hand, stand up. Be, be healed. And they cut it off and he had a turn as the other hand. 
I said, I'm Baptist. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I said, I have a Pentecostal church here in Cleveland, Tennessee. He said, you can come to his church and hold a meeting if you wanted to. I said, Brother Sumrall, please come. Please come. Will you come? Come. Please come, Brother Sumrall. Please come. Please. I said, Brother Sumrall. I never, I never see anything like that. I was raised as Baptist, but I wanted to see it so bad I can't hardly stand it. I can't hardly stand it. I said, I want to see it. I said, would you come? Please come, Brother Sumrall. Please come. He said, he said, boy, you sure are excited, aren't you? I said, oh, yeah. I'm excited about, I'm about, I'm excited about you coming. <laughs> he said, let me see here just a minute. Let me get my date book. He looked over about two or three months out. He says, I could come and be with you three nights, starting like Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and so and so month. I said, Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. Let me put that down. I put it down. I said, Oh, he says, Now, he said, now, Mr. Hayes, he said, uh, Have the pastor write me a letter and confirm it. I said, okay, all right, I will. I'm going to go talk to him right now. So um, I thanked him. But he said, okay, I'll see you on those dates. And so I went over and I said, Brother Littlefield, that was a Pentecostal pastor's name. I said, Brother Littlefield, I said, it's amazing what you can get done when you're dumb and don't know anything and you're green. <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? I said, Lester Summerall, I talked to him myself. He will be at your church on Wednesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday night, about two months from now. Right, these dates right here, right here they are. They're already confirmed. He said, you're kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding. He said, he write him a letter and confirm it. He said, okay, I will. I said, well, he'll be here. He said, no kidding. I said, yeah. Isn't it amazing, Brother Littlefield, what you can get done when you don't have any sense? You know, just like you said, new and kind of green, you know. I looked at him, he looked like he's having hot flashes. So Brother Lester came. We had a girl in our church, she's nearly dead. She's about to could stand up and hold her up. He preached the first night. Even called her down there. She come. She and they, they brought her down there. He said, "Turn her loose." Turn her, he said, "Run to the back of the auditorium and back up here." He said, "For the summer on, run." She. <laughs> she can't even, you have to hold her up. She can't even walk. Said, I don't want her to walk, I want her to run. Run, I said, run! Pick those feet up and run. She started, she started running, and sure enough, she ran to the back of the auditorium, back up there. And when she got back to him, she was going, <laughs> he said, do it again! I said, oh my God. I said, oh Lord, I'm the one invited him. Does she run again, run back up there? <laughs> After the three days was over, I fixed food for him at my house the last night. 
But when I turned, we were sitting at my table eating food. He said, Brother Noble, he said, um, he said, you, do you, don't you go to some full gospel business convictions? I said, yeah, sometimes. He said, you know, they have one in Phoenix, Arizona every January. I said, yeah, I know it. They do it. I've been out there. He said, are you going to go this next January? And I said, yeah. I've been thinking about going out there in January. I went out there once I had a good time. He said, well, I've got an appointment. What day are you going to be there? I said, well, I'll be there most of the week. I'll be like a Thursday night or something. He said, Thursday night, I have an appointment to be on the Joe Pine show in Hollywood. Anybody else remember that in here? In those days, he said, he was just about as popular as Johnny Carson. He, but uh, he, Johnny Carson's a nice fellow, but he wasn't nice. But he was so popular, though. He had a show like that in that time, you know. And he says, why don't you fly over to L.A. and meet my plane that comes in this time right here and be over at the airport when I get off the plane. He said, hey, you go to Hollywood with me while I go on that show. It's alive. Coast to coast. I said, yeah, okay. I'd like to see that. I said, you know, he's mean. He said, I know he is. So I did, I did and, and caught him over there. We drove out to Hollywood. We got there. And he, he had been, he had been uh, uh, interviewing uh, the leader of the homosexuals there on his show. Boy, I mean, he put him to the third degree. That guy was so nervous time Joe Pine got through with him. He got out of there and he said, boy, I'm, gonna get, I'm glad I get out of this place. The next time, Joe Pine was just me and that's all. But he, that's the way he, he had his show program that way, all of them. And so he, he, he said, now then he says, my next guest, my next guest, now listen to this, my next guest is the Reverend Lester Summerall, uh, who's supposed to be going around the country casting out devils. He said, would you make welcome, please, my next guest, the Reverend Lester Summerall. So Lester went out, sat down. Joe Pine looked at him. He said, um, so you go around the country casting out devils, huh? Lester said, well, I do what need be. Well, he said, if you think you know so much about devils, he said, what kind of devil do I have? Lester said, I don't know anything about it. Ask your wife. She knows. <laughs> well, they had quite a discussion, though. Man. Oh, he said, you know, Lester said, well, you know, God made everything. He said, no, no, God didn't make everything. I thought you knew the Bible. I, God, what, what, what about the meal? Lester said, well, that is right, he didn't, didn't make the meal. Lester started making, talking about the dirty, dirty books that sold on newsstands. And Joe says, oh, Reverend Summerall, 
don't give me that stuff. You're not that naive. He said, I'm not stupid, Summerall. He said, I read the Bible myself. Them little old books on the newsstands on nude girls with their legs or that type of thing. He said, what's that? He said, that's small stuff. He said, compared to the Bible. He said, the Bible is the dirtiest book I ever read. He said, the men of the Bible go to bed with their daughters. Do you ever read the Bible somehow? It's just the dirtiest book I ever read. And so they discussed this and discussed that and discussed something else and discussed something else. And he said, after the show, he wanted to talk to us. So we talked to him. He said, I want you fellas to meet me in the morning. He said, I have a national radio broadcast at 9 o'clock in the morning. Meet me in the morning at 9 o'clock and we'll make a radio broadcast together. He said, but why we want to do that? And I said, yeah, if you want to. So we met him the next morning. He was real nice to us. Then, and made a radio broadcast together. And I said, Brother Summerall, did God show you anything about Joe Pine? He said, oh yeah, he did. When I was on the show. I said, you mind telling me what he showed you? He said, no. He said, God showed me that Joe Pine was his own God. He holds Joe Pine's name above every name on earth. And we got to make the original broadcast. Brother Lester said to me, he said, Brother Noble, what are you going to do now? I said, I'm going over to Full Gospel Business Men and see Demas Shakarin and, and uh, I'm going to see Jerry, the author of Voice Magazine, and different ones. I know some of them over there. I'm going to go over and have some fellowship with him for a couple of days and I'm going to fly back to Tennessee. He said, well, I'm going to start a, a meeting tonight. And I said, where? He said, down in San Bernardino, California. That's the home of the Hell's Angels. I'm going to start one in the Orange Dome Auditorium. He said, you know, Brother Noble, what would be good? He said, why don't you go down there with me? He said, the first night, before I speak, I'll introduce you. You take 10, 15, 20 minutes, however long you want to, and just tell them what, what the Lord means to a businessman. I said, you really want me to? He said, yeah, I think it'd be good. For a businessman, just stand up and tell the congregation what, what the Lord means to you. And I said, well, if you want me to do it, I will, I'll do it. He said, okay, come on. I'll get you a room. Come on, let's go down there. So I went with him. And so he, he, in the first night, that night, he introduced me and I went on the stage, spoke about 10 or 15 minutes and told him how, the, how much the, how the Lord had blessed me. And so wonderful to know the Lord. When I got through, I walked back off the stage just like this, and the curtains, this is a professional stage, it's not a tourum. They had curtains to pull. So I walked right here behind the, like this, behind the curtain. And I walked behind, behind the curtain like this, the Spirit of God came on me, and I began to weep behind the curtain. And I began to weep. 
while I was weeping, the word of the Lord come unto me saying, don't leave this meeting. I have no idea what for or why. Because I didn't leave that meeting that night, that one meeting. That's why I'm here tonight. That's why people ask me all the time to come and hold demonology seminars. When I leave here, I go to Crystal River this next Sunday, Sunday afternoon, and, and, and I'm having a meeting up there all, all, all that week. And I'm going to have one of the workers from New Orleans over there. He's keeping a preacher. He's got a good church in Baton Rouge. He's keeping 16 people in his house right now. And he's keeping about 40 people in his church. Feeding them all and everything. Him and Elaine Homer is going to help me in that, in that meeting. Elaine Homer, Elaine Homer is one of the best girl ministers I've ever seen in my life. She's been speaking to me for 15 years at least. Every year. She helps me in conventions. And she, brother, that girl can read your mail. She don't miss it either. She is something else. But she lives her life clean. She's a really good girl. My God. My God, she's got such a beautiful singing voice. And so, I know that we're going to have a good time, though. And uh, so, while I'm on that Thanksgiving week, now Rodney has decided to come to Gatlinburg. He's been there before several times. Speak for him in my convention in Gatlinburg. Uh, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. He's going to speak three nights for me. He told me yesterday, I believe it was, he said, I think I'm going to come speak three nights for you. Also in Palm Springs, if you want me to. That's the first of December. First week in December. I have a convention there the first week in December. But we were working in the Orange Dome Auditorium one night there. And I mean, when the service was over that night, I said, Lester, I said, Brother Lester, I was going to go back to L.A. It's been a couple of days with full gospel businessmen. I said, you know what happened to me? And he said, no. I said, I went, I went after, after I gave a testimony in your meeting tonight, I went behind the curtain and the Spirit of God fell on me. And God told me, he said, don't you leave this meeting. Always remember, say, God will put you with people that you learn something from. You, you can't learn something from somebody don't know anything. You leave everything I know, I learned it from Mr. Summerall, Kenneth Hagin, John Osteen, Oral Roberts, Shambach. Three of them are dead now. Brother Lester's gone to heaven. John's gone to heaven. Brother Hagin's gone to heaven. My last Gatlinburg Convention was the 4th of July. Schambach came and helped me in that one. But Schambach is about the same age as me, 78. But as long as we live, as long as I live, I'll, I can share things with you that will help you for the rest of your life. And I, and I can share with you how to get them.
because you can't learn anything from somebody who don't know anything. You've got to get to somebody that knows something if you want to learn something. And you learn from them. You read it in the Bible, but you don't see it. And when you read it in the Bible, Jesus did it. When you read it in the Bible, you don't see no action. It's a book. You read it. But men that's been doing it a long time, they know how to put it to action. It's like me. I cast out devils all the time. I won't never stop. God asked me years ago, he said, son, my, my servants, many of them stop casting out devils and they get to be able to have a big church. They don't cast out devils no more. He said, I don't want you to do that way. I don't care where I take you or how many people you speak to, how much wealth you have or how much wealth you don't have. It has nothing to do with it. I want you to promise me. Hired Johnson's Hotel about 30 years ago, West Broad Street, Columbus, Ohio. I want you to promise me that you'll never stop casting out devils. Most churches don't know anything much about that kind of ministry. Do you understand that? They don't know anything about it much. Lester says, well, good, good. So I, uh, I uh, just stay with us. I said, I'm going to. The Lord told me, don't leave this meeting. Next day, the Lord said, don't leave this meeting. I said, Lester, I'll just, I'll, he said, you can help my sister sell books if you want to. Her and her husband, Reverend Murphy, is selling books back to her. I said, you can help them do anything. Help me on the altar. I said, well, if it's okay with you, I'll just go ahead and sit in here on the, on the front bench so I can hear you preach. Then if you need me for anything, well, just let me know. If I can help you anyway. He says, okay, I will. So, I've been there a couple of days. It was in a morning service. And so, he preached that morning. He gave an invitation. <clears throat> and a lady came up, you know, she, she come down, just one lady came first. One lady came down, walking down the aisle like this. I'm sitting over here. So I get up and I meet her right here in front. And I, and I said to her, I says, uh, I put my hands out like this and she took me by the hand and I said what do you want from the Lord this morning and she said well <laughs> I'm Baptist you understand I've never cast a devil out in my life at anybody but you get them, get them saved or pray for them or that type of thing I took her by the hand and I said what she said I said what do you want from the Lord this morning she said well she said um I need some help because she's like, I can't, I can't go to the store or go shopping. I said, what do you mean you can't go to the store or go shopping? What kind of talk is that? What do you mean? Well, she said, I live about 15 miles from town. She said, I, I, I get in my car and I drive to town and I park my parking meter and I get out of my car. <laughs> it's funny now, trying to tell a Baptist something like this, you know. She's like, I get, I, I, she's like, I get out of my car and I start walking up the sidewalk and she said, and something jumps on me. I said, oh, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, all 
Well, you're some of the Baptist church. I never heard of something jumping on somebody out in the street. <laughs> she said, something jumps on me. I start hurting in my back and the shoulders. I start hurting. And I can't go shopping. And I, I have to turn around and go back and get in my car. And get in my car. And I start my car. And I drive real slow till I get back home. And I get in the house. And I go to bed. And I got pains in my back, everything. And she says, and about oh six, eight, ten hours later, she said, uh, it just leaves. And I feel normal, you know, for several days. Nothing wrong, she said, then I get in my car again. So I got to go shopping. I need some stuff, you know, I got to go shopping. She said, I get in my car and I go shopping. I go back downtown, park my car, and I get out, walk up the sidewalk. She said, something jumps on me. I said, what do you mean something jumps on me? <laughs> I called my sister and said, I met a woman out here who says something jumps on her. She said, that, Lord, have mercy. She still goes to First Baptist. She's funny. I said, what do you mean something jumps on you? She said, well, it doesn't. And I hurt so bad I can't understand it. And I go back. And I never cast it about nobody. Never been around people that did. And she said, I said, well, Give me your hand. And I said, you want me to pray for you? She said, yeah. I said, okay. I'll pray for you. And I don't know how I was going to pray, but I said, I'll pray for you. <laughs> now she seemed like, she seemed like a, a decent woman. You know, she just told me that tale, you know. And she seemed like a decent woman till her hands reached my hands. I mean, so I said, well, give me your hands. And she said, so, so she gave me her hands and I started squeezing her hands like this to pray for her when I did, when I did she said she said uh, um, she, she jumped back I mean we're in the altar and, and, and she so she jumped back like this and looked, looked at me and went uh, <laughs> she shut her fist up uh, 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 I'm just standing there. I'm, I'm, raising a, I'm raising a Baptist church with nice people. I never saw no woman growl at me in the church. And she went, mm, and she looked like she wanted to fight. And, and, she, was, mm, and uh, she, she was going, mm, mm, mm. she looked like she was going to plow into me, but I knew she wouldn't. But she did, though. She did. And all of a sudden, I said, well, I'm not going to let this crazy woman beat me up. So she plowed into me. I grabbed her by the arm, and she plowed into me. I grabbed her by the arm and held her off from me like this, and she was going, Ugh. and I grabbed the arm, and, and I mean, I was squeezing it hard like this. And she went, Ugh. I got her pretty close to the floor and I just turned to Lucy. She just fell on the floor. Then on the floor I go, (laughs) 
You just have to know Lester. I learned a lot about him all the years I knew him. And when somebody else was in there, you know, he stood on the stage. This is the way he stood like this. Yeah. Yeah, like this. He's still like, right, Frank? He's still like this pulpit. And he watched what's going on all the He didn't miss a trick. And he said, Cast that thing out of her! I jumped. I jumped and looked at him. I looked back at her and she's going, and I thought to myself, what thing? <laughs> she kept on, she kept on talking. And then he said again, don't let her talk either. I said, oh. I look up at him, you know, he's standing up just as calm. I'm an altar, I'm a nervous wreck. He's standing there just as calm, you know, like eating a bowl of soup. It made no difference to him. Don't let her talk either. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cast that thing out of her and don't let her talk. She's, talk she's talking continuously. Cast that thing out of her and don't let her talk. Okay, don't let her talk. What am I supposed to do? Go over and smack her out in the mouth? That's what Baptists do. They smack you in the mouth and say, shut up. Now I'm standing there, you know, and I'm standing there, you know, boy, you talk about having hot flashes. I had them myself. Remember, Murphy was sitting on, he was married to Lester's sister. He was sitting on the front bench, front row of seats. He gets up out of his seat. I didn't want the congregation and Brother Lester to think I was stupid. I was, but you don't have to broadcast it. And so he gets up out of his seat and walks over to her and kneels down to her and he said in Jesus name come out of her I said yeah <laughs> come out of her I said, I said what he said come out of her I said I said yeah Come out of her, and I said it too. <laughs> he said, in Jesus' name, come out of her, you devil, come out of her. I said, oh yeah, you hear me? Come out of her too. I said, it. I said, come out of her now. Yeah, come out of her. And I thought to myself, oh brother. I don't even know what I'm asking to come out. But he kept saying it to her, and I kept saying it to her. I just said whatever Mother Murphy said. Did you get that? She said, Mother, I can't cast devils out. Yes, you can. Anything I can do in Jesus' name, you can do it. Yes. Lester used to tell me that. 
do it anything I can do you can do I didn't know it until I tried it and I found out it was the truth Lord I'd take John forever more you're supposed to call somebody every time a devil rises up cast them out yourself everybody in the building say in Jesus name, in Jesus name. you devil, you devil. Come, out. come out in Jesus name, in Jesus name. you devil, you devil. Go. go now I've searched the scriptures whole new testament that's the only two ways I can find in all the scriptures that Jesus cast out devils he said come out or he said go and you don't need to know anything else and don't get involved with people that beat them on the back now, I took Brother Littlefield one time to Chattanooga to, to a crusade and the guy that spoke you know and he said now nah, then he said I'm going to pass out bags everybody got the devil get on your knees I'm going to give you a bag to put the devil in and we're going to beat you on the back and cough that devil up in this sack he said, oh my God. <laughs> there are no coughing up devils in the sack scripture in the Bible. Forget it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Lord be to God. And all of a sudden then, all of a sudden he kept saying that. I kept saying to him, Jesus' name, come out. Yeah, yeah, come out. Finally she went like this. She stopped talking. Went like this. She fell over. Like she's dead. I said, oh my God, is she dead? <laughs> no, she's not dead. She's, she wasn't dead. And so, so, all of a sudden, then she lay there for a few minutes. She started going, nah, 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 nah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I said, oh my God, she looks like an angel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I go back to Cleveland, Tennessee and go to my own church, that Pentecostal preacher. Go to my own church, so I think there's one reason that. There's a, a woman, a real big woman, you know, she's... She worked the garbage cans in Cleveland, Tennessee. Carried a sack with her sometimes, she'd have a wagon, a little wagon she'd pull. She'd find stuff and put it in there, you know, and sell it, I guess, whatever she could find. In garbage cans. She, come, she was in church that night. So when they give the invitation, she went to the altar. I'm sitting back there in my, in my seat. I've never cast a devil on nobody by myself. Uh, I watched Brother Murphy. Helped him a little bit, I guess. I don't know. I said what he said. And the Lord, I'm sitting in the seat, and the Lord said, Go up out of that woman and cast the devil out of her. I said, Ooh. I, I said, By myself? He said, Well, I'll be with you. That's all you need. I said, Lord, what if these, I got a lot of friends in this place. What if I go up to her and tell that devil to come out and don't come? I'll be embarrassed. I said, but I'll tell you one thing, Lord. 
If you'll give me power, I'll go up there and do that. Give me power. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost rose up in me. And I began to weep. And God gave me power. My God, I had power in my ears. I had power in my eyes. I had power in my tongue. God took my tongue over. I had power in my hands. And I'm weeping. I got up out of my chair. And I walked up in front of the church. I walked up in front of her. And she is standing there like this. Totally demon possessed. Standing there like this with her fingernail like this right here. Boring a hole right here. A hole. Raw meat. Blood. She is going like this right here. Somebody says, what are you doing? She I took her hands like this and pulled them apart. She looked at me, she went. Raw meat, I'm talking about raw meat. I stepped back about it. I said, in Jesus' name, you foul devil, in Jesus' name, come out of her. When I said that one time, it went by me. Something went by me. Right through the air, and she fell backwards in the floor and began to crawl like a snake on the floor. Crawl like a snake, 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 crawl sitting there watching, sitting there watching her. She crawled until she got back towards the back door. She got up from the floor and walked to the door, the front door of the church. And reached down and got part of her clothes. And she tucked them like this right here. Her clothes opened the doorknob. She wouldn't touch it with her hand. Open the doorknob like this and pulled the door open and left. After the service, I went over to the church with the pastor and his wife over to the parsonage. Sister Littlefield said, Brother Norville, I'll never doubt you again as long as I live. That woman's been demon-possessed for years. She said, I'll never, never again doubt you. She said, my husband used to do that when he was a young man, but he's quit now. Oh, he said, Gladys, I saved that for the younger fellows now. Oh, she said, Miller, don't give me that stuff. She said, the younger fellows are not doing it. She said, Brother Noble, I sure appreciate you doing that. And I sat back there in the seat. When, when God wanted me to go up there, he said, I, I missed one little thing. He said, um, don't you go up there? I said, I don't know how. I don't know. He said, oh, yes, you do. I said, uh, oh, Lord, I don't, I've never cast out devils by myself. I don't know how. He said, yes, you do. I said, well, what makes you think I know how? He says, California. Don't you remember? I said, that's just one time. He said, that's all you need is one time. He said, do what they did. But there's someone with emergency in Jesus' name, you devil, come out! Everybody in the building say, in Jesus' name, come out. In Jesus' name, come out. In Jesus name, in Jesus name go. go. 
You can make every headache, every devil, every pain leave you if you know how. Speak with authority. Disease has no right to you. You can speak to a disease and make it leave you. And when I did it that one time, that devil left her. That, that thing went by me in the air. It went by me in the air. And she began to crawl like a snake. It knocked her backwards. When that devil left, it knocked her backwards. And she was learning like this. She began to crawl like a snake. Left the building. Uh, she's partly free anyway. He loaded to God forevermore. And ever since that time, that's all I needed. I've been doing it ever since. If you come to these meetings between now and now through Wednesday night, you come to these meetings, I'll have you doing that. By Wednesday night, by Wednesday night, every time the devil shows up to you, you, you'll just, you'll just, oh no you don't. No Satan, you can do that. Go from me! You have to speak with authority to devils. Especially if they've been there for a long time. A little weak devil, you know, heading there. Go! He'll leave. But if they've been there for a long time, you have to know what faith is. You have to know what authority is. Now tomorrow night, I think tomorrow night, Everyone's going to be different. And this it's so exciting to hear what to see what God does. Tomorrow night, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you how God can move on you if you know how. And you better let me teach you this week because if you if you know how, he, he'll send you to other cities sometimes. He, he, sometimes he'll tell you unique places to go to. And he'd be somebody devil possessed there you understand that and you know exactly how to do it I can teach you how to do it but sometimes devils are real hard to get out especially in mental institutions especially in mental cases you understand that I've been working with mental patients for years I have never worked with one mental patient not one they hadn't been doing or letting somebody else do strange things to their body. As long as you have sex, man with woman and woman with man, under the bondage of marriage, you won't ever lose your mind. But I think every mental institution I know of in America is full and got a waiting, waiting list. Every one of them I've ever worked with has been doing or let somebody else doing strange things to their body because you can learn this week whatever that's unnormal whatever you do to your body affects your mind and God will let you get away with that for several years most of the time not all time but most of the time sometimes he will but if you don't stop it and get free from it your mind can snap. Why? Because you disgust God, that's why. And you keep on doing something that God don't agree with, 
you kindle the anger of God. And his anger starts working against you. He'll take his hand off of you. You'll become like a robot. You understand that? So, there's things that you need to learn about this kind of ministry. And hardly nobody knows anything about it. I mean to the point that they don't do it. I do it all the time. All the time. What do I care? It's all in the day's work anyway. Best of be God forevermore. And you can do it. You just have to learn how. And you'll find people that won't like it, but who, who cares what they like? Jesus likes it. Amen. Jesus said, whatever I do, you do. Whatever I do, you do. And I can show you in the Bible that all deaf and dumb people are demon-possessed. The devil stole their hearing. The devil stole their tongue. Their speech. Stole it. Stole it. You understand that? So you can be born again, folks. You can be born again in your own human spirit. But your ears can be stopped up. You understand that? Blessed be God forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. Let me give you scripture before I close tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the 16th chapter of the book of Mark. 16th chapter of the book of Mark. I want to take this night and just lay a strong foundation for you to let you know how you can have this ministry if you want it. Jesus wants you to have it. Because not only can you use it for somebody else, but use it for yourself. Because devils are always going to try to come to you and mess you up. With disease, confusion, with children. The devils are going to come to you and try to mess you up. But they don't have no right to mess you up. You say in Jesus' name, go! You can make the devils leave you. You can force them to leave you. You can speak an authority to them and they have to leave you. All right, Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus, this is Jesus talking to you. Red letters. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, this is a, the first thing that Jesus wants all Christians to learn. The first thing, after you get born again. The first thing he wants you to learn, and as far as ministry is concerned and duty is concerned, all believers, not just preachers, all believers. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. If you say, well, I'm a believer, Brother Noble. Well, I, I, I believe that. In my name, Jesus said. You have to use his name. In my name shall they cast out devils. Do you see that? Well, you can't read, can't you? Well, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the Lord Jesus? Or are you going to believe somebody's doctrine that don't do it? God didn't call you to follow men. God called you to follow his son. And nobody else. 
I wouldn't fool around somebody 15, 15 minutes so they didn't know what they were doing. Everybody said the voice of authority. will cause devils to leave. Tomorrow night, I'll try to get this in when I first get up tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, I will show you in the scriptures that there's 12 disciples didn't know what they were doing. And they asked him one time, Oh, we prayed to them and the devils wouldn't come out. You prayed for them, Jesus, and, and they came out. Why didn't, they, why didn't they obey us, Jesus? Why didn't they obey us? Jesus, Jesus said, Oh, faithless generation. Faithless. If Jesus called all 12 of his disciples faithless, you can imagine where you're at. <laughs> you were lucky to find the church. <laughs> Jesus told all 12 of his disciples, he said, besides that, this kind, all different kinds of devils and different kinds of spirits, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. I get up early in the morning and go to the woods and pray for two or three hours. I come back, you boys still sleeping. So after that in the scriptures, he takes all 12 of his disciples up on the mountain and ministers to him himself and lays his hands upon him himself imparts that anointing to him. And when not this week, if you want me to, some people have already asked me to do it. Yeah, yeah. I'll lay hands on you, glory to God. Yeah. So you won't be ashamed. Blessed be God forevermore. Every night will be totally different. I mean, some tomorrow night we'll get into some strong stuff. But you need to hear it, though. You need to hear it. If you don't hear it and you don't learn it, you won't be able to help anybody like that. But you can help him. Anything I can do in Jesus' name, you can do it. Glory be to God forevermore. You say, well, uh, but I don't know how, Brother Noble. That's what I told the Lord. I don't know how. But I watched Brother Lester do it in Orange Dome Auditorium and Brother Murphy. I watched them do it. And the Lord said, yeah, you do. You know how. I said, uh-uh. I'm Baptist, Lord. I don't know how. Oh, yeah, you do. You know how. I said, no, Lord. I don't know how, Lord. I don't know how. I, I never did do that by myself. He said, California. I said, California? There's only one lady. California? There's only one lady. She looked like a devil and attacked me. And after a few minutes, said, come out in Jesus' name. She looked like an angel. He said, that's right, California. That's what they do. They change from devils and look like angels. I said, California, one time. He said, that's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need to take a two years course to cast out devils. You need to open up your mouth again tonight and say in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You devil. You devil. 
come out. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. No. no. Boy, I'm telling you. Man. Man, y'all getting strong already. Glory to God. So this congregation gets this strong. I'll just rest part of the week. If you have any relatives or friends who got devils, bring them all in here and I'll turn this congregation loose on them. They speak. Don't they speak strong? Rodney said, now, Brother Norville, I have to take up a church offering tonight. But I want this, I want this church to bless your ministry. Because we feed the poor every day. People comes in sometimes and stands in line to get in my office. Want me to take authority over devils. They said the pastor don't know how. Well, he didn't know how if he'd learn. You're not going to ever know how to do it. You're not going to ever learn anything unless you go somewhere where they're doing it. And then you learn, you learn, you watch them and learn. But make sure don't start doing what somebody else does unless you got scripture for it. You have to have scripture for it. But I read it to you. Jesus said, if you believe in me, in my name, if you say you're a believer, Jesus said, in my name, you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with a new tongue, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Glory to God. So blessed be the name of the Lord. Brother Rodney wanted his man, are you here? He wanted him to uh, take up an offering for my ministry because I feed the poor. And uh, we, have to, we have to buy food with a truckload. Costs a lot of money. Every day for a month, every day for a year. We've spent millions of dollars on food over the past 20 some years. Millions. And we'll keep doing it as long as I live. I told Zona the other day, I said, Zona, don't you ever stop this ministry, honey. She said, oh, Daddy, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. God said, if you feed the poor, I will bless you mightily. Now listen here, what God said. And I will, I will heal you quickly. I will heal you speedily. I'll restore your health to you. But God said, he that turneth a deaf ear to the cry of the poor. Before he dies, he'll be crying himself. And there'll be nobody to help him. God said in that scripture, he says, there'll be nobody to help him. Not even me. I won't help him. You understand? If you want to find favor with God, folks, you have to obey the Lord Jesus Christ if you want to find favor with God. And Jesus tells you to do something, do it, and he will bless you mightily. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Do you believe that? Usher, would you pass out the envelopes, please? Come here and finish this.